You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What's happening, everybody? It is A's Cast Live. How are you? It is a quick show today. We're going to be on till, was it 3 o'clock? We're going to be on till 4 o'clock. Actually, about 4.05, and then we'll throw it to Alex Jensen and A's all night. And then we'll be getting you ready with A's total access coming up at 4.15. And we'll be going live to Chicago. I believe I'll be speaking with the great Ken Korak today. We'll do that at 4.15. But we got a special treat for you. Coming up here at 3.30, we're going to be speaking with a guy that I think is... One of the more popular A's I have ever seen. This guy is truly a fan favorite. He's one of my favorites. He's one of everybody's favorites. Friend of the program, as we like to say, Sean Doolittle is going to join us. As Sean, obviously playing for the Nats, helping the Nats get the win over the San Francisco Giants last night, we are able earlier today to hook up with Sean. And you know what's great about these guys? And we've really been experiencing it lately, and because we have this show, we have the ability to do it because we are so flexible that we can accommodate any type of of scheduling deal unlike a, a regular radio station. That's what's great about streaming. And the fact that we have been able to get guys like Josh Reddick Gio Gonzalez, and now Sean Doolittle, and to have them on and be able to do a lengthy interview and really talk about their time with the A's, it's been really special. I can tell you, like the the interview that we did with with Coco, because Coco was in town to broadcast, so Coco was co-hosting with me, and to have Reddick and Coco were really tight. They spent a lot of time together. They dined a lot. They partied a lot. So there was a point during that interview where I just laid back, didn't say anything, and just let them go. Just two old teammates chalking it up. And that's the kind of stuff that we can provide here with A's Cast Live that you can't do anywhere else. Sean Doolittle was such a fan favorite, and I talked to him about this at the end of the interview. I don't know of any other A that had a weekly talk show where a radio station paid that player 
every week to come on during the season. I, I, I don't I don't remember anyone having that. The one guy I thought of, Stephen Vogt did as well. Those are the two guys that had the weekly shows. Vogt did? Voter did too. At 95.7? Yeah, I produced both shows that have both those guys on. Okay, well, fittingly. I stand corrected. Then there's two. And he was a fan favorite. Also, friend of the program. We'll see him next week. We'll get him on next week. But Doolittle was loved. What he did in the community. He was an easy guy to get behind. Truly one of the great stories. We will also talk about Sean Doolittle. You'll hear it tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to be at Six Flags up in Vallejo. And when I mean we're going to be there all day, I mean we're going to be there all day. The game's what, at 11, 11, 10? So that means we'll be on at uh, 10, 15 in the morning. And then we will end AceCast Live tomorrow night from Vallejo at 7 o'clock. So when I mean we're going to be there, we're going to be there basically from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. We're going to be there all day. And uh, in the Bob Melvin show, I can tell you that we will talk about Sean Doolittle and what what he meant to Bob. And and Sean talks about Bob. You're going to hear it at 3.30, what Bob meant to him. These guys who play here, they're young guys. They get an opportunity. They grow up here. And then this spot, A's, means so much to them. You, the fans, mean so much to them. It's very apparent. It's really a cool thing. Because I don't think every organization has that. I think if you go play somewhere, you don't get that special relationship with the fan base the way you do here in Oakland. So I'll, I'll be a little braggadocious about you, the A's fans, because you, you, you have a bond. Whether it's good years, whether it's bad years, you have a bond, no question, with the players. And it's really, really cool. So Sean Doolittle will be here at 3.30. I want to make sure everybody is getting out there and getting A's access for 2020. You sign up. If you sign up right now, you will get the benefits for the rest of the year and through the postseason in 2019. So if you go and sign up right now for 2020, you get those benefits, which is everything. Everything. You name it. Food, merchandise, parking. I mean, if you do a half, if you do the half season or more, it's free parking. If you get something lower than that, it's just $10. $10 a park. And I can't say this enough. $5 beers. beers takes you back to, like, the 90s, for God's sakes. A's access is absolutely brilliant. It's baseball your way. The best way I like to explain it, it's like a gym membership. You pay for your membership, and like the gym, you go when you want, you leave when you want. I've got two buddies who are buying A's access. They'll only go on the weekends. They're like, yeah, we'll go on weekends because they work a lot. They're tech guys. So they, in the tech world, let me tell you something. I know we all work a lot, but these guys, these tech guys, my buddies, I mean, it's every day, all day. I don't don't know. I mean, it's literally every day, all day, emails, and they're constantly on these calls. and Oh, my God, it drives me nuts. But they're going to buy it just for the weekends. 
They're just coming on weekends. It's it, it's you get to do baseball any way you want. Thing that I love about it, especially for like the treehouse, and I and and people do this all the time. I mean, you're sitting around, you look at your watch, you go, yeah, yeah, the A's are playing the Astros. All right, yeah, I'm just going to go have a couple beers and watch the game for, you know, four or five innings. I mean, I'll see people who show up late. Yeah, I showed up in the third. It's it's however you want to do it. That's what's brilliant about it. It's like the gym. Sometimes you want to go to the gym. Sometimes you don't want to go to the gym. But you got the membership, you can go anytime. Or like a country club. You can't play golf every day. Who can play golf every day? But when I can't play, I'm going to my club. That's what A's Access is. It's baseball your way. And once again, if you don't have it, what I would say, do it now, and then you get all these benefits. Think about playoffs. Yeah, I'm talking playoffs. Where's Jim Mora? Playoffs? Yeah, I'm talking playoffs. So you'll get the benefits of playoff games. So to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. I have an article in my hand right here about some amazing – here's the title. The 20 most amazing and astounding facts from the year of the home run. I love it. I think it's hilarious. And, what, and I'll keep saying this. You can't tell me there's too many home runs. You just can't. When fans start booing home home teams for home runs, then I'll believe it. But until then, I watch all of you, and I watch games around the country, and every single time a guy hits a home run, everybody rejoices. Everybody. I worked in the Arena League. Arena football? Anybody remember Arena football? You might remember that I I did TV for the Sabercats for, what was that, like 15 years? Sabercats Weekly that used to be on Fox Sports, and then it was uh, Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area, and then NBC Bay Area. We were on there for years. And then I also did the sidelines on the TV broadcast. Why Why were we getting 13 grand a game? Touchdowns. It was touchdowns. It was scoring. The fans loved it. They absolutely loved it. Everybody loves scoring. People love scoring. What do you, you know, I, does people want in the NBA, do you want to go back to the Knicks and the Miami Heat and the games were 78 to 76? No. You want Steph Curry and Klay Thompson hitting threes? You want 123 to 118. Scoring is good. Is there anything where. Did anybody, I I can't remember what year this is. It was literally the worst football game I've ever been to in my life. It was the Raiders and the Chargers. I believe they set the record for most punts in a game. Look that up, Cody. It was unbelievable. Three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. It was awful. It was punt after punt after punt. It was like, dude, this is bad. No, you want to see touchdowns. You want to see scoring. We'll find that game for you. All right, some uh, some nuggets for you on your athletics. I thought last night, Nick Martini, that was so cool. 
So Nick Martini grew up in Crystal Lake. Looking it up, it's 45 miles northwest of Wrigley Field. And he came in and pinch hit. And his first career plate appearance at Chicago, being a, I guess they called a Chicagoland native. He hits the jack. And it was an amazing at-bat. It was like 12 pitches. But the coolest thing was to see the family reaction. We also are going to have that from a game. Do we have the, Commander, do we have the uh, highlight from the kid for the Marlins? Yeah, there. if you didn't see that last night, Diaz, the t- top prospect for the Marlins, came up. And as they're interviewing his dad on whatever, Fox Sports, Miami, or whatever they got down there, he hits a home run, and the dad goes crazy. Well, that happens before Nick Martini, and Nick Martini's family goes crazy. And watching his sister, and only because you could read lips, she's crying and she's yelling out, that's my brother, that's my brother, and the Martini clan going nuts. Man, that's special. It doesn't get any better than that, right? It really doesn't get any better than that. So that's really cool. How about Marcus Simeon with two home runs? Marcus Simeon now has 19 home runs. He's batting 378 with four home runs, four doubles over the last 10 games. Is that any good? Now the bad, Matt Chapman. So the left side of the infield is, is super hot and super cold. Matt Chapman has two hits in his last 43 at-bats. And he's hitless in the last 11 at-bats. That commander is not very good. No, and it it prompted me to think of a good question for buying or selling later that we'll get to about Chapman. And I wanted to get to this. I I did find – I think I found your Raiders-Chargers game. Yes, the the record for most punts in a game. Does this sound correct? October 11th, 1998, the Raiders had 16 punts. The Chargers had 11 punts in the game. And it was in Oakland, right? The final score was, yes, it was in Oakland. The final score yeah, was, was at the game. 7-6 was the final. The, oh. Raiders won, the Raiders won 7-6. John Gruden outlasts Kevin Gilbride at the Chargers back in 98. Let me just let's go over the uh, yeah. total oh, stats. There's too much scoring, huh? There were, there were a total of 15 first downs between both teams. The Raiders had 117 rushing yards. The Chargers had 18. The Raiders had a, a 97 yards passing. The Char- or Raiders had 169 yards passing. The Chargers had 97, but they did throw four interceptions. I think that was Ryan Leaf, if I'm not mistaken, playing in that 98? game. 98? Yeah, because he was drafted nope. in 97. Yeah. Sorry, I was wrong. The Raiders had 18 yards rushing. The Chargers had the 117, and yet the Raiders still won. And they punted 17 to- uh, 16 times. Yeah. Let's go to an NFL game, spend four hours, watch the most punts ever, and the score is 7-6. to six. Uh, I was at that game. No, thank you. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, over-under in that game was 36-and-a-half. Well, they, they were just, uh, just a shade under. Oh, my God. You, made, you know how much money you could have made? Okay, coming up, I have these numbers that are, that are uh, they're comical. They're actually they're comical, but it's where the game's going. And by the way, the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs right now at home on the north side 
They've won 12 of their last 14. And overall at home, they're 40 and 18 at home. With a 3.30 team ERA at home. But that's not even the best in baseball. That's what's crazy. The best in baseball by a lot. So think, the second best ERA at home is 3.30. Number one is the Dodgers. They're 2.63. Think how dominant that is at home. 2.63 ERA at home. The next closest, the Cubs at 3.30. It's like not even close. Dodgers are tough. It'll just be can their bullpen can hang on. So we got the A's and the Cubbies coming up, but before we do that and before we do Sean Doolittle, the 20 most amazing and astounding facts from the year of the home run. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Joe Panic DFA'd by the San Francisco Giants. Wow, is his career taking a uh, a dive? Guy was the darling of the world on the World Series team of 2014. Had a good year in 2015 at, at the age of 24. He was an all-star. 2016, eh, okay. But he didn't win a gold glove. 2017 rebounded. But the last two years, he has been awful. You thought this was going to be the guy playing second base across the bay for a long time. Joe Panic DFA'd, hitting 235, an OPS of 627. Man, a negative 0.4 war. Yeah, that's not good. That is not good. In a time when, and I'm about to read to you the 20 most, I don't, I don't think I'll go through all 20. But in a time when there's record balls flying out of the ballpark, if you're struggling offensively and, and really one of the greatest offensive years in the history of the game, you got something wrong with your game. Just think about that. There's records being set every month, every day, and you can't hit. So I'm about to read you some stuff. If you know anybody in baseball who's struggling, you need to tell them uh, this is this is on you because there's a lot of people not struggling. Are you ready? Number one, the Minnesota Twins are on pace to break baseball's single-season home run record of 267. Currently right now, the Twinkies are on pace for 316. So the record's 267. They're going to hit well over 300. There are 14 teams on pace to break their single-season home run records. So half of baseball, half the teams in the league are going to break their own home run record. 
and I'm sad this ended. I thought this would go the whole season. But this is something that I brought up when we play the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners hit or allowed a home run in 107 straight games. Think about that. From the start of the season, the first 107 games the Mariners played in, somebody hit a home run, whether it was them or somebody else. The previous record was 55 straight games. That was the 1913 Red Sox winner record 55 straight games with having a home run hit in a game that they played. So they broke the record by 38. No, 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 wait a minute, that's wrong, that's wrong. The night that, scratch that. I'm reading this wrong. The 1913 Red Sox win a record 55 straight games without hitting or allowing a home run. So they went 55, no home runs hit, 1913, 55 straight. But this broke the record by 38 games. The Mariners hit or allowed a home run in 107 straight games. The New York Yankees, number four, hit a home run in 91 games through, Ju through July 31st. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Number five, the Minnesota Twins are five home runs away from setting their franchise record, and they got 50 games left to play. They only need five more. Number six, the Twins are the first team in MLB history to hit 50 home runs in three calendar months within a season. Number seven, when the Twins hosted the Yankees last month, the teams combined to hit 20 home runs in the series. The balls traveled a total of 7,875 feet. The three-game series was the sixth in MLB history in which at least 20 home runs were hit. They were also a combined 75 runs and 80 hits in the series, the most by any two teams in three games in a series. The Orioles, this has been Commander Cody's big deal. The Orioles have allowed already 223 home runs. The Orioles have already set the record for most 500 home run games allowed in a season. 15 times already this year they have given up five home runs or more. The record was the 2016 Reds at nine. That's also the team they're chasing who, had, who gave up 257 home runs in 2016. The all-time record for home runs allowed pitching by a staff is 258 by the 2016 Reds. Orioles pitchers have given up five or more home runs in a game 15 times, and yes, that is the record. Here's one for you. The Yankees have hit 32 home runs at Camden Yards, a single-season record for a visiting team in one ballpark. The record was previously held by the 1957 Milwaukee Braves with 29 in Cincinnati at Crosley Field. The Yankees set the record in only eight games, and they still can add to their total today and tomorrow against a woeful pitching staff. The Yankees have 41 home runs in 13 games versus the Orioles. They still have six games left. All right. How about this? So far this season, there are 207 players have hit at least 10 home runs. Okay? The record's 242. So right now we're at 207. Like Stephen Piscotty, next home run is going to be number 10. That'll set the franchise record for most 10 home runs by a player on one 
Oakland A's roster. That'll give them 10. 10 players have at least 10 home runs. Okay, so we're at 207 players have hit at least 10 home runs. The record's at 242. As we speak, there's about 20 players sitting on nine home runs, and there's another 20 or so hitting on eight. They're going to shatter that record, the most players ever in a season, with at least 10 home runs. I mean, it just goes on and on. I'm going to skip some of these because we got to get to Sean Doolittle. There already have been more home runs this year, 4,677, 4, than the entire 2014 or 2011 season. There have been 1,000-plus home runs in every full month of the season so far. Think about that. Every month, including July, which has the which has the uh, all-star break, every month has had over 1,000 home runs. We've had more five-homer games by a team this season than in any full season before this. We got two months left. So five-home run games. There's been 73. The previous high was 2016 at just 60. And the last one, because we already know we're on pace to set the record for most home runs, right? We've been talking about that. So we'll just we'll end with this one. There have been 131 home runs of at least 450 feet this season. There were just 82 of those last year. Once again, 131 home runs that have traveled 450 feet or more. Just 82 last year. I got one more for you because I don't think it was in there, and I found it somewhere else. Yesterday marked 22 straight days that a player's had a two-homer game. Marcus Simeon did it against the Cubs, and Christian Yelich did it against the Pirates. 22 straight days, at least one guy said two home runs in a game. It happened on Sunday when Nolan Arenado did it, and, yes, Donovan Solano, the new second baseman for the San Francisco Giants. A fan favorite. We all loved him, and we all still root for him. Sean Doolittle will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Sean Doolittle. Came up with the A's in 2012. Went 2-1, and one, had a save, and a 3.04 ERA. I mean, think about that. He went from starting in A ball because his career is over as a hitter, knee and wrist. And we'll talk about that with him as as Keith Lippman. He says, "Hey, I want. Can I try and pitch?" He actually got into three playoff games in the ALDS against the Tigers that year. He pitched in four games in the ALDS in 2013. And, of course, was a part of that AL wildcard game against the Kansas City Royals that we don't like to talk about. He was a terrific A. Saved 22 games in 2014, was an all-star. Then later would be traded in 2017 to the Washington Nationals. But he was a fan favorite. And earlier today, we caught up with Sean Doolittle right here on A's Cast Live.
Well, we got a special treat for you here on A's Cast Live with Chris Towns. And, you know, we've had a lot of ex-A's on recently. When you think of Gio Gonzalez or Josh Reddick, all the guys we have had on, this guy truly was one of the best and was a great guy to cover, and it's been fun to watch his career blossom. The all-star Sean Doolittle is with us here on A's Cast Live. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me. You know, I tell the story all the time uh, about your journey and when all of a sudden it just wasn't going to work as a first baseman, you went to Keith Lippman and said, hey, I, I'd like to pitch. And next thing you know, it was like a, a Disney movie. You went from <laughs> A-ball to double-A to triple-A. And next thing you know, I was doing your first interview with you in the A's dugout. It, it, just, just tell us what this journey <laughs> has been like for you, going from a guy that was supposed to be a first baseman now to an all-star closer. Um, I'll tell you what, it, it definitely changed my perspective on, on a lot of things, uh, both on and off the field, but, um, it was, there were some dark times, you know, I was, uh, battling the injuries. I missed three consecutive full seasons in the minor leagues and, um, uh, was really starting to question whether or not, uh, you know, baseball was, was meant to be. And, uh, I was even looking at going back to school and, and finishing my degree and, um, I got together with Lip and and asked if, uh, you know, we had started a throwing program. I had been working on it, and I asked if I could switch when I got some more bad news from the doctor about my wrist. And um, he, he, I'll never forget his response. He said, well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you hadn't asked about this sooner. <laughs> um, but, I'm, um, you know, I, I'm very grateful for the way that things turned out. Um, it obviously was a little bit more of the scenic route to get to the big leagues, but but like I said, um, I don't take a, a single day here for granted anymore. And um, I, I'm really just trying to make the absolute most of it because, you know, sometimes I, I feel like I'm on borrowed time a little bit. Um, so I'm trying to enjoy it uh, and maximize the experience as much as possible. And the crazy thing about you is that when you came up in 2012, that's when the A's were going on this historic run chasing down the Texas Rangers. So it's not like you just came up and started pitching and learning your way. You started pitching in meaningful games like right away and became a big part of this bullpen. What was that like? That was, um, I think I might've been like too young and dumb to really realize what was going on and, 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 you know, kind of the gravity of the moment. Um, but I, I'm very grateful that I had a number of people that, that really helped me get my feet under me right away. And, uh, from guys in the bullpen, like I got to learn from Grant Balfour and Brian Fuentes was even there for a, a little bit after I got called up. And, you know, he's one of the few lefties. He's got over 200 saves in the big leagues and he really took me under his wing, um, you know, from day one. And I, even though we only overlapped for a month or so, I, I learned so much from him. Uh, Jerry Blevins, another guy that I'm still friends with and keep in touch with. Um, and, you know, Bob Melvin showing, showing the, the truth, he was putting us in, in, uh, you know, some high leverage spots and giving us the opportunity to go out there and kind of earn our stripes. So, um, it was, it, it really was in a lot of ways, kind of a, uh, there were a lot of things that, that really fell into place that, that helped me a lot in 2012. You know, pretty amazing your relationship with the, with, with the fan base. And I think of everybody in right field putting their their hand underneath their chin with the elbow pointing out just the way that you did. <laughs> you know, talk about, and with all the XAs that we've been having on this show, everybody had their own special relationship with A's fans. What was your special relationship like with this great fan base? Oh, man, it's, uh, 
you know, it, it, it's kind of hard to put into words, um, but you're right. It, w- it was a very special relationship. I think I had a little bit um, of a special connection with them because my, you know, my first introduction to baseball when I was a little kid, um, you know, you guys know the story. My family had a season tickets and we used to come over from the Valley and, um, you know, we had a weekend package. So um, every home weekend we were up sitting in the seats above third base. And, um, you know, so I don't know if that helps me connect with them at all. Um, but I, I certainly felt like it did. And you're right there. There are, the A's might not have the biggest fan base, but they certainly have some of the more passionate fans, the more loyal fans in baseball. And they connect with the players and, you know, seeing the way they would headbang um, to Metallica when I came into the game and, and, and they would, uh, you know, they had the elbow pose going like I, just like I did when I took my signs. Um, it was really cool. It makes you feel like you're a part of something, um, you know, a little bit bigger. It, it's, uh, it, it was really cool. You know, D.C. is uh, one of the most unique areas that we have in the United States, obviously, because of, uh, <laughs> of, of the white. Way, that's a good way to put it, I think. Yeah, well, it's, it, it, it's taxation with no representation, as they like to say in the district. But playing for the Nationals, what is it like? I'm sure you're running into all kinds of politicians and, and, and bigwigs. What's it like playing for the Nats? <laughs> no, you know, uh, the the – the big wigs that I run into, I'm lucky that um, I get to see them on a daily basis. Guys like Max Scherzer and uh, Steven Strasburg, um, Ryan Zimmerman, um, guys that have, um, you know, they, when I walked into that locker room for the first time, I was a, I was a little bit uh, kind of starstruck. Um, I kind of felt like I was at like some kind of all-star game. These were guys that I had seen uh, on ESPN, you know, like uh, – national tv games in the spotlight bryce harper was still there at the time when i got traded over um but um getting getting a chance to share a clubhouse with them and learn from those guys has been uh such an awesome experience for me i feel like it's helped me so much um both in the conversations that we've had kind of behind the scenes about preparation and, and game planning and stuff and uh, but also just watching the way that they go about their business and, and seeing the things that make them uh, you know, so successful. So, um, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really lucky, uh, that I, that I ended up where I did. What were you guys thinking when Max Scherzer goes out there with the, with, with the black eyes and the broken nose, <laughs> it was like, what is this? This guy's a lunatic. What, what were you guys thinking when you, when you saw that? Hey, I, you know what? I was joking around with some of the guys and I said, I can't wait. Um, you know, someday when I'm old, uh, I'm going to visit Cooperstown and Max's plaque is going to have a, um, a, his nose is going to be a little crooked on his plaque. And I'm going to tell everybody that I was, I was there when that happened. Uh, and it was in a bunting drill before the game one day. Um, but uh, it's just another, it's just another uh, chapter in the, in the, the legend, the legend grows, um, you know, of Mad Max and, um, he's, he's an unbelievable competitor and, um, I know a part of him was really excited when he woke up that next morning and saw the way that the blood had kind of pooled under his eyes. Um, I know that he was a little bit excited about, um, you know, staring down a hitter with, uh, <laughs> with a, a pretty gnarly black guy. 
How much did you guys appreciate steadying the course, getting back in this thing, and not trading people away, and still going for this division, and still going after the Atlanta Braves? Oh, man. Um, it's been such a crazy season for us. Um, you know, we didn't get off to the start that we wanted to, and then we really kind of hit, not kind of, we did hit rock bottom in at the end of May. Uh, we got swept in a four-game series by the Mets in New York, and um, all four games were, were really, really tough losses because we, I think we had leads late. Um, we let them slip away. We couldn't get that shutdown inning and that big hit. Um, so it was really, really tough. And that's when, you know, it was only May and that's when a lot of the rumors started swirling about possible trades. Um, you know, Davey Martinez found himself, um, in the hot seat. Um, but fortunately we had such a veteran group that, guys had been through stuff like this before and nobody panicked. Um, and we, we kind of just kind of looked around. We had several team meetings, uh, uh, but we kind of looked around and said, you know, we're, we're better than this. We know that um, we're not sure how good we can be, but it can't get any worse than this. So let's go see what we can do. Maybe we can spoil somebody else's fun. Let's make some noise and see what happens. And um, we started having more fun. Um, I can't say enough about what Gerardo Parra has added to the team in terms of just the energy that he brings. Um, you know, I, I don't know if anybody has seen our games, but we got guys dancing in the dugout after home runs. We got people dancing in the clubhouse after games, uh, after we win. Um, you know, and, and I, I tell guys all the time the story of, you know, you mentioned it earlier, the, the, the 2012 team that uh, – shoot got to 500 at the all-star break and was uh five games back with nine to play and uh you know ended up winning the division on the last day of the season and they kind of look at me like you know they got like deer in the headlights like oh my gosh like you guys really did that and uh you know there's there's a lot of talent in our clubhouse and um it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun uh, August and September, that's for sure. You know, and I, I'm so glad you bring that up because we live in this world of analytics and all this kind of stuff. And I like to say on this show all the time, you know, a team's playing best when they have joy and they have love for each other. And when you have that and you're having that kind of fun, it, it just makes a world of difference. And I'm glad to hear you guys have that right now. Yeah, it's been um, – it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that in, in, in April and May. Things were kind of tough. We were trying to find our identity as a team, um, but you're right. That, that's there's certain things that, that that still can't be quantified. Um, I, I I've I've gotten into the analytics and some of the data stuff, and I, I think there's a place for it in the game. But at the end of the day, um, so much is about just the feel that you have in the clubhouse and, and the vibe that's in there. And when you're coming to the field every day, expecting to win, having fun, just being around your teammates. Um, it's a, it's so much, it's so much more fun. It's hard to do. I didn't realize really how, how special that was. And those, those years in 12 and 13 in Oakland, those were, you know, those were my first two years in the league. I, I didn't know anything else, but that kind of stuff is hard to come by. And when you find it, um, you, you got to run with it and, and see if you can really take advantage of it and, and make the most of it. Well, I'll tell you what, let's end on this. I want you to know there haven't been really any A's players who have ever had a weekly radio show where they were a guest every single week. 
you're I, I really believe you're the only guy that's ever had that. And I think that that says everything about how the fan base felt about you, the organ, the organization. Uh, that that really is something that I always look back and went, man, he's got a weekly deal. You're, it's like you and Bob <laughs> Melvin are the only guys. <laughs> hey, I, I'll tell you what, I enjoyed my time in Oakland so much. Um, I, I love the way I was very lucky that the fans embraced me in the way that they did. Um, I was sad to leave uh, because of all the connections that I had to the organization and, you know, to the Bay Area. I lasted six years in Oakland. That's a pretty good run. Um, so uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy that I ended up where I did. Uh, and I'll always have a, a lot of uh, gratitude and appreciation for uh, the Bay Area. Hey, thank you so much for the time. And I just want you to know we're all rooting for you guys and the Nats. Be well, and uh, hopefully we'll get you into the postseason. All right, Tony. Yeah, maybe we'll see you guys down the road. You never know. What a special guy. Truly a special guy, a great A. Kind of reminds me a lot of, like, Liam Hendricks. How so understands that you can use your platform as a Major League Baseball player to help other people. And that's what Sean Doolittle does. Great to have him on the program. We'll talk more about the interview. What was the other thing you uh, you had for me, Cody, that you were just saying during the break? I mean, when we were listening to that interview? We were talking about Jason Hayward. Oh, I want to bring up, for, for all my... You know I love analytics, but sometimes I've got to defend some old school. I came after Cody last night, and he had no defense. He had absolutely – did you? We'll talk about it. All right, we'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. All righty, we're going up to uh, – 405 today. So my good friend Vicky has chimed in. See, you got to learn something. Never let facts get in the way of a good story. Remember that. But the fact is I forgot Josh Reddick had a show on 95.7. And then uh, Stephen Vogt did for a little bit. But it was Doolittle with a show that actually worked, that actually was really popular. You love you love you love you some Doolittle. I can tell you that the fan base absolutely loves the guy. So yesterday, Tommy Pham came out and was asked on MLB Network about four different stats, and really it was a loaded question to to basically bag on batting average because he was asked, you know, of, of the four stats that you look at. One was war. One was weighted runs created plus. What was the what was the other one other than batting average? Uh, games played. Games played, right? So obviously, batting average is just one stat. To where your war and your weighted weighted runs created plus these are multiple things that tell you about a guy's game. So of course you're going to value something that. War encompasses far more, and so does weighted runs created plus, than just batting average. So then that leads to these this new generation to say, ah, oh, see, batting average doesn't matter. I went, okay. 
So I said to Commander Cody last night while he was at the Giants and Nats game to see Sean Doolittle, I said, huh, who are the top? Do you value war? Do you value war? I do. You do value war. Uh, war, D-war, all the wars, F-war. So, but you, you value war. Yes. Okay. So I went and looked at the top ten position players all time in war. What do they all have in common? Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. What else? They have a, over a 300 batting average. They all have really good batting averages. There's there's no guy who's a top 10 war player who's who's hitting 240. You just, it, if you're going to be an all-time great, if you're going to be in what you call war is important, if you're going to be an all-time great, you ain't, you ain't, you're not climbing up that list into the top 10, and that's a who's who's list. You want to be with Babe Ruth. You want to be with Barry Bonds. You want to be with Willie Mays. You want to be with Hank Aaron. You know, because I think Bonds' final was like 296. But you hit 240 for a career. You need, I don't care how many home runs you hit. You're not going to be in the top ten wars. You're telling me Adam Dunn has no chance? I'm just telling you. You threw some guys at me. And re- remember, there's Hall of Famers, and then there's the Hall of Famers. Hey, my example has over 600 career home runs. Great. He's not even close. I thought Jim told me it was a great example. Jim Tomey, you threw t- you're, you're going to want to put Jim Tomey with Willie Mays? I put Michael Jackson in there, probably arguably the greatest third baseman of all time. He's not even close. He's not even he's not even close to top 10 wars. I put Ricky in there too. Problem with Ricky is is it's all the years of him playing in his late 30s and 40s that bring numbers down. Can we use that same argument to talk about pitching wins then? For someone like Jamie Moyer who had a ton of wins, he pitched till he's like 85. Okay, let's go wins. What 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 do the top ten war pitchers have all in common? Uh, they're in the Hall of Fame. And what else? Except for Clemens, right? Well, yeah. What if you go top ten pitchers all time war? Three hundred wins. They all had three hundred wins. My whole argument with this. So if you don't win games as a starting pitcher, you're not going to be one of the top guys in war. Whether you devalue wins or not, I'm just telling you right now. If you want greatness. You want to be in the who's who of the Hall of Fame. You don't win 300 games, you ain't getting in. So that's like Verlander. Verlander may be the last guy to get there. But if you're going to be an all-time great, see, that's the thing. It's like, okay, wins don't matter anymore for starting pitchers. Well, top 10 war guys, they all have 300. I don't see one guy even sniffing them in war who won 200 games. As great as Pedro Martinez was, as great as Justin Verlander is, they're not. Go look. Go to Baseball Reference. Click All Time Wars, and you can go and look at the numbers. If you don't have, if you're not great in the old school stats, because the old school stats make you great in modern analytics, because you're a super productive player, right? That's what someone like Hank Aaron, someone like Willie Mays, they did everything. And because of that, their war is great. If you don't do everything great, because what was the basis of Moneyball? We're going to find guys who get on base and guys who get on. I mean, okay, I get it. But just because you get on base doesn't mean you're going to be. If we're talking about the all-time greats, you got to do it all. You just can't be good in some things. You've got to be great in everything. So my one thing about that is now, like we said, how the, I, I believe the game has changed in how we view pitchers with, their, with statistics. Clayton Kershaw, he's not going to sniff 300 wins, but he's going to go down as one of the greatest. But he's going to win time. a lot of games. But he also is going to have a ton of strikeouts, a good ERA, a good WHIP, a good FIP, a good everything. 
where you can you can justify what well, my whole thing with this and we're arguing about this forever is if you go six innings only give up one run you can't control if your team can't score any runs and you take the loss so i just feel like that that, that, that hurts pitchers that you know we're devaluing what starting pitchers are doing now by that that metric by it, there's example a good example will be a guy that goes out and gives up eight runs but his team scores 10 and he gets the win does that guy deserve to be tw- have 20 wins that year okay that argument is so weak. Clayton Kershaw has won 163 games and lost only 71. That's pretty good. That's all he's, I need to know. He's closing in on Koufax. He's too that's, a, that's all I need to know. This whole, well, he had a lead and the bullpen lost it. People like you are acting like that's happening every game. He's won 163 games in 12 years. The numbers are right there. You can look at all the XFIP, ERA+. Plus, you can look at all of that. But he wins games. The all-time greats all win games. And even all-time greats on bad teams won games. Like Gaylord Perry won games on the Cleveland Indians. Because Gaylord Perry was badass. <laughs> well, he was cheating. But, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, and everybody goes, well, look at what happened to DeGrom. Okay, Felix Hernandez, where they're 500 pitchers, but they win the side. Okay, the game's been played for over 150 years. You're going to have outliers. And you guys love to pick those outliers. But on a consistent basis, the best pitchers win games. And then I even got, I even got, this is, this is, this was my best of all. And I'm going to go back to what. So you bagged on a guy that just went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, The great Moose, Mike Messina. Mike Mussina. What did you say about Mussina? Um, I thought that him getting the Hall of Fame will help Granke, and I didn't think he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Why never, did Why did he not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Never had three hundred wins. Never had three hundred wins. Never had three thousand strikeouts. Never won a World Series. Okay, but you said WAR is important, right? Yeah. Mike Mussina's fifty ninth all time on in WAR. That's ahead of Rod Carew, Nolan Ryan, Tom Glavin, Joe DiMaggio. Pete Rose, Robin Yount, Ozzie Smith, Paul Molitor, Johnny Bench, Reggie Jackson, the Big Hurt Frank Thomas, uh, Jim Tomei. Great Hall of Famer. And Derek Jeter. Mike Mussina's war, which you, you're saying war is important. I just named you all these Hall of Famers that he has a better war in, and you don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Now I'm using your argument against you. But I'm also using your argument about how he – the 300 wins, 3,000 strikeouts, too. I never, go both, I, go both ways. I never said 300 wins has to get – because no one's going to get those starts anymore. I'm just saying if you want to be one of the greats, like if you want to be in the top discussion of greatest pitchers of all time, and you don't, who's gonna, who is going to be in the discussion of greatest pitchers of all time and didn't win 300 games? Uh, Pedro Martinez. <laughs> you don't think Pedro's up there? Are you, are you, are you going to put him? I mean, Randy John. I mean, modern day pitchers. You're going to. You, who did you try to sell me on? Greg Maddox is the greatest pitcher of all time. He is. Okay. Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, Tom. I mean, you t- look at the list of 300 game. Those guys are always going to go down as the best. But you and other people w- wanted to say that Mike Mussina wasn't a Hall of Famer, and he's got a better WAR than a bunch of guys who are in the Hall of Fame. But he, he doesn't deserve to be in? The war, the wars, it's good. I'm just basing off of the whole idea of every guy that goes in has 300 wins, except for Roger Clemens, of course. 
Well, no, I mean Pedro Martinez wasn't even close. What did yeah, he have? I think at two nineteen, he was two nineteen. Like I think he was two nineteen and one hundred in his career. That's pretty good, though. Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame. I completely agree with that. Not because of what Schilling's kind of cra- uh, crazy now. I don't care but. what his politics are. Kurt Schilling is eleven and two. I, this is off the top of my head. He's like eleven and two in postseason. Yeah. Uh, those Diamondback teams were pretty good when he was there too. Red Sox. I mean, the guy was a big game pitcher. I I, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Justin Verlander is going to be in the Hall of Fame, and I, I probably, I if we did a buyer selling, will Justin Verlander get three hundred wins? I don't know if he'll pitch long enough. He's at like two nineteen, I think, right now. I want to say that's what his wins, how many wins he has. And a lot of these guys who did get to, get, that did get to three hundred wins, by the end of their careers, they weren't the highest paid players anymore. Like, I, I, I want to check a guy real quick, like Tom Seaver, who you know Tom Seaver is yeah. one of the – Tom Terrific. Yeah, Tom Seaver is one of the greatest. 219 for Verlander, 219 and 127 in his career. So if Verlander retired today, he's getting into the Hall of Fame. I, I agree. So Tom Seaver won 311 games. He has a career war of 110 almost. Uh, Verlander is a 68.3. Mike Trout has a higher war. So looking at Tom Terrific – at 41, he was making $1.1 million. <laughs> But it was the highest of his career. With the White Sox. So the thing is, it's like, how long, like if Verlander is just trying to get to 300 wins and he's at the end of his career, they may not want to be paying him $30 million a year. And is he, and is, and is he going to play for less than something like that? Because a lot of guys, as you get older, now they're not going to pay you the huge money. But And the crazy thing about him, too, is he's one of those guys that, you know, he ramps it up in the later innings, which I've never seen a guy do that before. Where he's throwing 95, 96 in the early innings, and he's throwing 99, 100 in the seventh and eighth inning. Tom Seaver, career war of 109.9 and a career ERA at 2.86 with 311 wins. My whole point is the traditional numbers, if you dominate the traditional numbers, that's what's going to make your analytics great. The great ones all have great regular numbers. Batting average, wins, the stuff that we're trying to devalue, the greats dominate in those categories. That's why their analytics are so great. By the way, Verlander's uh, 88 strikeouts away from 3,000. 88. He might get there this year. Like, what, what, What's Verlander's war? Uh, 68.3. Yeah, Tom Seaver's 109.9. You know how far away he is from Tom Seaver? He's also like 100, almost 100 wins behind him. <laughs> it's unbelievable. The greats are the greats. What do we got going? We got uh, Alex Jensen, the face of uh, A's All Night, coming up next. We will be back tomorrow. Is a full day, folks. We're gonna be at um, we're gonna be in Vallejo at Six Flags, riding rides, having fun. Come by and see us. We're gonna be there from like ten in the morning till seven o'clock at night. But coming up next, we're going to get you ready for A's baseball. A's and the Cubbies right here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.